you're listening to Gloomy Caves from Golden Sun, released November 12th, 2001, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of the movie bar every month with the dyad. It is Petrov. Hey, man. What is up? What is up indeed? You know what's not up? The theme of this episode. Yep, that's what it is. It's a episode. The theme of this episode, that's right. (laughs) It's a episode this week, guys. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to screw up a lot this episode, but that's okay. (laughs) 
We'll talk about that real quick. If you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you chose and listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week. Works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zenku. Man, you called it last week when you're like, hey, by the time you post this episode, it might be last week for the previous episode. And damn it, <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yeah, you never know what life's going to throw at you, man. You never know. I mean, I should know. I have, I, I struggle just getting these episodes to post in a timely manner as I have been for like the last year. But, uh, yep. So as of time of recording, which is actually on Wednesday the 19th, I still have yet to post last week's episode, Haunted Houses. By the time you're hearing this, that episode will be up. They will post an order. So if you haven't checked that <laughs> one out, go listen to it. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'm glad, glad the episodes will be up in order, at least. <laughs> yeah, they will always post an order, but just not probably on time, which sucks. But maybe one day. Um, you know, work busy for me still. I, uh... I was just talking to you before we started. I I think things will slow down come mid to late November when I will be more settled into this new role that I'm doing. So for for now, I just get off work and I don't I don't get off till late some nights. Like some nights I'm not off till seven, seven thirty, almost eight o'clock sometimes. And by the time I'm done, I'm exhausted, even though I work from home. You know, I it's nice that I get to sit in my same Technisport gaming chair and use my same well, I don't really use my PC. I do have a work PC, but I'm still sitting on the same desk and my normal PC is still in front of me if I want it to be. Um, it's still tiring as hell. And you know you work from yeah, home. Yeah, man. I do. I do work from home, but I had kind of a crazy week. Well, since last Wednesday, I guess my week's been pretty crazy uh, as well. Actually, I had to go to the office last Wednesday, Thursday. But man, yeah, work is work, whether you're in the office or whether you're at home in your in your little work cave, you know. Or just cave in general, because it's all I yeah. have lived in for the past six years. I lived in a cave before this house, and I live in a cave still. <laughs> I've not seen the sun, and how's that? Uh, isn't there a Kid Rock song? Maybe with... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Picture with Cheryl Crow. Not seen the sun in six six damn days or something like that. I don't remember. Something it's been like longer that. than six days. It's been like six years. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. So It is what it is. We are getting closer and closer to Halloween, though. We are less than two weeks away, and we are, unfortunately, getting closer to the end of wrapping up the spooky season in October, even though, theoretically, for the listeners, only one episode is posted right now. We've already recorded two. We're on our third, <laughs> and we only have one more to go. So we're getting closer to yep. the end. We have this another back half of episode. October is going to be going to be full of spookiness for our listeners, and probably the first week of November, too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you know you're probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you are wrong, because I'd like to get all the spooky episodes up in the actual month of October. Hopefully so, man. That would be cool. That would be cool. But yeah, I'm excited about this week's theme. I got to go back to a couple of favorites of mine, and I'm getting to play some some brand new stuff that has, even the games have not been featured on the show before. Nice. Yeah, I like that you've updated our playlist completely now so we can tell what still might be missing from games that we haven't played and just more obscure ones that we tend to find and we wonder oh geez this might have been played before but was it turns out it wasn't um we're focusing on caves and underground areas or levels for this episode this week and i think i know why i 
put this in October. Would you consider caves and underground areas spooky? I think you can. I think that definitely, especially based on a lot of the music I listened to getting ready for this episode, there does seem to be a through line of somber or uh, spooky music in caves in uh, video games. Um, Definitely most of the creepiest tracks in Pokemon games tend to be in caves. That's where you go to, you know, to catch the dark Pokemon and the ghost Pokemon. So, um, yeah, I think I think you can definitely make a case for it. Yeah, I do, too. I think the actual darkness of a cave, especially as you get further in or further down when natural light just disappears. A lot of people have a, a very real fear of the dark. So I think, you know, caves can definitely have a very unsettling appeal to them underground. Obviously, you think of crypts. Damn, we could have explored crypts, maybe. Uh, well. Yeah, crypts and, uh, you know, I feel like you've done cemeteries and graveyards before. We did. Um, we did. But crypts are kind of a different thing. Uh, crypts, tombs, mausoleums, stuff like that. You know, maybe next year. Hmm. <laughs> That is a possibility. Although I think, I think we might have already, already filled in next year, but you know, say, I think we booked we'll up see. next year already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but we'll see. We will see. But yeah, and, and you know, there also, are some pretty uh, good. Know, there's some pretty good haunted houses. Tying it back to last week, there's some good haunted houses that actually are are done inside of caves. Oh yeah, you talking about one, games or like IRL? IRL. There's one cool. in Ohio, have, like a haunted cave. That's really cool. I have never. I don't think I've ever been to a haunted cave or haunted house cave before. That would be that would be a really cool idea. Another thing that I think a lot of people deal with when it comes to caves and the underground is uh, claustrophobia. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Dude, have you ever watched some of those like cave exploring videos on YouTube? Uh, only here and there. Uh, when I went to Enchanted Rock down in South Central Texas for my anniversary last year, my wife and I watched some videos about about the place, and there is apparently... So Enchanted Rock is, is um, basically a mountain, closest thing to a mountain in Texas, west of, uh, like, you know, the... Is it just the, a big hill? The, the rocky the rocky west but well it is a giant rock like if you look up the pictures it's a it's it's a couple thousand feet i think uh it's not super huge as mountains go but what what's crazy about enchanted rock is it doesn't look like your typical mountain it looks like somebody dropped just a giant smooth rock in the middle of this valley and it's uh, it's it's hell to climb because it doesn't have the like the, the peaks and trails that a lot of a lot of uh, mountains have. You're basically just like walking up a giant hill made of stone, and it was it was hard. But apparently there is a crack in one side of the stone where you can like go down and then exit a cave at the base of the rock, and it's a it's a tight squeeze. I watched a video about that, and it was. I'm not particularly claustrophobic, but it was giving me the heebie-jeebies. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've watched a few of those videos of, I forget the YouTuber's name, but he kind of goes to some of these more obscure, unofficial caves and like the areas that these guys squeeze through to explore deeper into the caves and further into the caves makes me nervous just watching because I know for one, I probably wouldn't fit through it. I'm not, And I'm not a super big person, but I probably wouldn't fit through those small crevices. Those dudes are like 120, 130 pounds, and I am not that small. <laughs> um, Same. But I just would be afraid I would never come back up. Yeah. 
Yep. Spooky stuff, man. And spooky stuff. not being able to see where you're walking or where you're dropping, especially like imagine being like deep in a cave and, and the light goes out. You know, I know you've you had to have been on a, one of those cave tours where you're down oh, yeah, in the middle of it and little. they turn off the lights. Yep. Yep. Complete and utter darkness. It's crazy. It's gloomy. Tying it's it back a little bit gloomy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you beat me to it this time. Like that opening track. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, which shout out to Gustavo once again, if you're listening. Yep. So I'm sure you're listening. He's got a track coming up for us on Radio Hour next week or whatever week it is when it posts. But uh, last week when we read his email or message on Instagram, he mentioned uh, being a big fan of the Golden Sun music. So you and I both, I think, had this penciled in our lists. You didn't did, submit it yep. i still ended up bringing it anyway which worked out in the end for us gloomy caves from the original golden sun obviously composed by matoy sakuraba i wanted to start off with this track um one i think it's because it is the shortest track that i submitted today and it is for sure but also it's kind of spooky and not a lot of cave or underground music especially ones that we brought like they don't have a lot of the horror spooky vibes that we've been playing the entire month this one does though so i wanted to kick off with that yeah yeah you're right um i think maybe uh i think actually honestly only one of mine is probably really like gloomy or spooky in nature yeah um, and i think i have two more coming up that are but that's it. But, you know, uh, like you said, just the uh, atmosphere of a cave is itself can be kind of kind of spooky. And um, even the uh, the aesthetics, even if the music is nice and happy, the aesthetics of a cave a lot of times are definitely darker than the rest of than the rest of the game. So, yeah. And maybe one day Nintendo will return to Golden Sun. I doubt it. Maybe so. Maybe. Get some more. Well, I mean, Motoi Sakuraba is not hurting for soundtracks, but... No, he just did more... Valkyrie Elysium, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But more Motoi Sakuraba music is never a bad thing, and uh, Golden Sun has, has a bit of a cult following, so you never know. Maybe we'll get Isaac in the next Smash, and they'll have a new Golden Sun game around that time. Although, more likely, they would just remaster the earlier games, which would be cool in and of itself. But yeah, speaking of uh, remastering and revisiting, the first game on my playlist had a, a remaster or two and at this point has been ported to just about everything but it started out as a little bitty indie game way back in the day and if you're ready i'll go ahead and lead in my first block with it yeah let's do it i'm ready all right well you can't have i don't think a cave music episode without talking about cave story and we're going to be listening to plantation also the main theme from cave story released december 20th 2004 composed by Daisuke Amaya.
Second up, we are listening to Stone Tooth Cave from Wario Land Shake It, released September 22nd, 2008, and composed by Tomoya Tomita. Rounding out my first block of tracks, we are listening to Crystal Snail from Mega Man X2, released January 1995 and composed by Yuki Iwai.
coming back from my first block of tracks, we are talking about the main theme from Cave Story. Yeah, I told you, man, I was surprised that not only have you never played this track, but y'all have never played <laughs> anything from Cave Story on the on the show before. So I'm excited. And I have never played Cave Story either. So I know the music. Oh, you have it, it. But I've not played this game. No, I haven't. It's fun. I haven't gotten too far in it. Uh, Shukapau played through quite a bit of it. It's hard. I mean, it's got that old school hard. It kind of pioneered the retro indie, you know, in both in graphic sound and difficulty that whole movement from people uh i don't think a lot of people realize because it did have so many remasters on later systems that this game came out all the way back in 2004 it's 18 years old man i know it came out on the switch and i think when it came out on the switch didn't it add like some multiplayer aspects i think so i I know it had several different versions of the soundtrack uh which some earlier versions did too but uh, and I misspoke. It's almost 18 years old. It'll be 18 on December 20th. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool track, though, man. I'm definitely familiar with it, but I think this is a really, really fun track. Doesn't uh, you know, I know the game is Cave Story. Um, I was going to say it doesn't sound like a cave underground level, but that's because it's not. It, it really cave doesn't. Story. Yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't. But yeah, I mean, I could have played anything from this game. Being, no, of course, you know, yes. The whole thing is it's underground. Still basically. fits. Yeah. There's a little bit of it that's not, but a lot of it's underground, so... Which makes sense, but... but yeah, my first block is... At least the first couple tracks are more more fun, more happy, which uh, I just... I, I love the the old school sound of this track. Like I said, it, there's a lot of... This, this, this game and this soundtrack had a lot of influence on later games. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this guy spent like five years just where I think he did it himself for the most part didn't he yeah Daisuke Amaya I think the I think the whole thing was him um he might have had some help a little bit later on and of course the remasters were were done by by other studios but um, yeah I know Nissa and IS America got their hands on it later on yeah it's a term for that what is Dojin I believe is uh one of those from the ground up single creator kind of games think so that sounds right I think so Jeff can correct me if I'm wrong he has before so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man um, but then moving into a game that I, I know y'all have played a track or two from yeah uh, which, Frank's a big fan of the series well, hard to avoid man the, the Wario Land games are all fun but Wario Land Shake It for my money has the best soundtrack of all of them I'm in love with pretty much everything Tomoya Tomita has ever done. And Stone Tooth Cave from Wario Land Shake It is the track we're talking about. And you really liked this one, too. I did, man. It's definitely, it starts off kind of just playful, funky, groovy vibes. But then, where was it at? Like maybe 30, yeah, like roughly 40 seconds, 35, 40 seconds in. That guitar kicks in, and I had forgotten how awesome this track actually is. It's been a (laughs) while since I've heard the Shake It soundtrack to its completion. And did you ever play this game? I did play this game. Yeah. This was, I mean, kind of like Herbie's Epic Yarn, you know, it it had the, the aesthetic that it didn't really rely on graphical fidelity because it had that hand drawn animated look to it. And just a really one of the best looking and best sounding and funnest games i think on the wii it was a really good wario land game um you know i liked that they went back to wario land um because wasn't this the first one since no i guess there was master of disguise right around the same time wasn't there 
but this was, was the that first Wario Land. It wasn't Wario Land. It was just Wario Master of Disguise. I just was trying to think of Wario games. Yeah, um, those were around the same time, but like. Wario Land we hadn't seen since, what, 2001's Wario Land 4 on the GBA? I know there was Wario yeah. World on the GameCube. Again, a Wario game, but not necessarily Wario Yeah, Land. kind of a kind of a sequel to the to the series in the vein of Super Mario World, but... And I think Wario World might be my favorite Wario game still to this day. I never played Wario World. Um, it's pretty I good. I missed that one. I missed a lot of the GameCube generation, which is sad, but... I but... enjoyed it a lot. I played it during my summer vacation leading up to my senior year of high school. Oh, cool. Cool stuff, man. Yeah, that makes sense. I played the GameCube my first, the summer before I went to college, and uh, then the summer after my freshman year of college. I played a lot um, because a buddy of mine, he also didn't have it, but I would go home from college and we would rent, you could rent systems from a rental store nearby, which I think I've talked about before, for you could rent the system for a couple weeks and uh, a couple of games along with it. And so we played through a couple of things and it was fun, man. But yeah, this this whole soundtrack for anybody who hasn't checked out Tomoya Tomita's work on Kirby's Epic Yarn, Wario Land Shake It, uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's um, a good one. There's a lot of great stuff that he has done. Um, one of these days, we'll have to see if we can't scrounge together a spotlight on him. Yeah, you know, maybe get an interview or two. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. Yeah, he actually works for Nintendo, right? I'm not sure if he works for Nintendo or if he works for the company that did those games. I'm going to look that up real quick. I know he's on the Nintendo Wiki, but a lot of composers who just composed for Nintendo published games. Oh, no, uh, he's freelance. He's freelance right now. Okay, yeah. Hmm. It was developed by Goodfeel. How Laboratory? Okay, Goodfeel, I think, is the company that I associate him with. But yeah, that and Goodfield was made up of so a lot of games. ex-Konami employees, which makes sense. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, an interview is possible then, coming soon, probably not, to a BG Mania episode. <laughs> we will have to see, man. Hook us not up, Not coming Uzo. too soon, because you've already give got us, the next year's worth of <laughs> interviews lined up. Give us, give us the up. connections. <laughs> or interviews. Uh, I do, composer I showcases. Do. We'll I do. see. I wish they'd be all interviews, but I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then we go from uh, not Konami, which you just mentioned, but to Capcom with uh, an underground theme from Mega Man X2 in the Crystal Caves, where you go through the level before you fight the boss, Crystal Snail, who is vulnerable, I believe, to Magnet Mine, which you get from Magnus Centipede. And if you shoot Crystal Snail with it, he pops out of his shell and he's more vulnerable until he jumps back in. But I do remember that. I Mega don't, Man X2 is a cool game. It was it was pretty good, yeah. I don't have a lot of, like, nostalgia for Mega Man. The Mega Man music I do, but the actual games themselves, like the originals and the X games, I never was, like, super, super into. Like, I wouldn't consider myself a Mega, Mega Man fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's... it's um... Probably not one of my top series, but it's definitely, I think, on the B tier of my games. Uh, yeah, I would the soundtracks, agree with that. I love. But no, the soundtracks are definitely S tier. Mega Man 3 was the first one I played, and I just, I still have a whole lot of nostalgia for that game. It's my favorite of the original Mega Man games. Um, Mega Man 2, uh, of course, had some experience with. Uh, mostly 3, and then 2, and then 4 were the ones I had the most experience with, and a little bit of 1. But... 
Mega Man X, and then even more so Mega Man X2, I spent a lot of time with. Um, I definitely prefer the original soundtrack to this one, but the game itself, Mega Man X2, I think improved on the first one in pretty much every way. It's a really, really fun game. Yeah, from what I remember of it, it was definitely more enjoyable than the original X. Um, but I think I played this sometime shortly after it came out. I rented it from the local video store. I think it was probably in 95, maybe. Yeah, 95. So you would have been, what, about 10? I would have been 9. 9. Gotcha. So I remember getting this, but I never owned it, and I know I didn't finish it. And I haven't played yeah, it since. I, I turned 13 in 95, so I was... Um, and it was a hard game even back then. Of course, back then I had the patience to actually do everything that you had to do to 100% the game and get the Shoryuken ability, <laughs> which was completely overpowered like the Haruken in Mega Man X. But, and the Shoryuken itself wasn't as hard or annoying to get in the level where you get it. But in order to get it, you had to get all the sub tanks, all the heart tanks. And at the end of Mega Man X, Zero is destroyed by Sigma. And at X2, Zero's parts are found by the Mavericks or the X Hunters, this trio of characters that are like Sigma's lieutenants in this game. Um, Agile, Sergis, which I've, I've never known how to pronounce his name, and Violin. And they they were super tough and they only appeared in certain places in certain levels. And if you didn't get them like the first time, you pretty much didn't have another chance to get them. And so you had to beat them the first time to get that part of zero so that he could be rebuilt. And if you didn't get all three of the zero pieces, then you had to fight Zero, which was a really hard fight, and you couldn't get the Shoryuken. So, yeah. Dang. It was, but it was a, it was fun though, back in the day. Uh, it wasn't as fun when I recently played, tried to play through it again on, on the um, virtual console on the Wii U. But oh, I was going to say, did still, you play this in the, because I know they released the Legacy Collection with the X games as well. Yeah, I don't have the Legacy Collection because I, I don't have a whole lot of interest in the later X games, and I already own X on the SNES Classic and X2 and X3 on the Wii U Virtual Console, so there's not much reason to get the first one for me. Yeah, you're but, covered. Yeah, especially since, kind of like you, I'm, I'm not a super-duper Mega Man fan, uh, so I don't have any interest really in owning multiple copies of these things, but... Um, but yeah, still, this is probably my favorite track in X2. The music is good. It just doesn't really stand out to me. But Crystal Snail's theme is really unique among all of the Mega Man X music. Yeah, it's definitely one that I was very familiar with once it started playing. You know, again, I don't know all of the track names by heart listening to these soundtracks, but this is one that I know I've heard before um, just out in the wild and definitely on other shows as well. I could probably tell you every track on Mega Man X just by hearing it. Um, definitely only a couple on Mega Man X 2. This one and probably Flame Stag are the big two. Um, I think Mega we Man X3, that one from X2. Yeah, yeah. Flame Stag is another. It's I think it's probably the crowd favorite from X2. Yeah. Uh, but this one, this one is my personal favorite because of how unique it is. 
And X3 I know um, a bit because I, I did a special on X, the music of X versus X3 with Skeletroy on very good music. And so I got to know some of those X3 tracks a little bit. Um, but Mega Man X2 is still still a solid OST for sure. No, it definitely is. Absolutely. So that was my first block of tracks. Yeah, you ready to jump into my first block here outside of that opening pick? I am. Some good stuff coming up here. All right. I think so, too. Let's go ahead and kick things off with Underground Ruins from Okamiden. This released on March 15th, 2011, and it was composed by Ria Kondo.
Up next, let's go ahead and take a listen to In the Gloomy Darkness from Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. This released on February 9th, 2004, and it was composed by Kumi Tanioka. Last up in this block, let's take a listen to Cave from McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. This released in December 1993, and it was composed by Katsuhiko Suzuki. (laughs) 
Coming back in, we are talking about Underground Ruins from Okamiden. And again, this was composed by Ria Kondo. I have never had the chance to play Okamiden, which is basically not a successor, but a spiritual successor to Okami. So it's not a sequel. It's, it's definitely like a, huh. a different okay. take on the story and the game itself. I never did get a chance to play this one, but I have listened to the soundtrack because I love the original Okami soundtrack so much that I listened to this one maybe like a year or two after it came out and really fell in love with a lot of tracks on here. The Underground Ruins, it's definitely very peaceful. You were falling asleep listening to it, I think, and I was definitely <laughs> zoning out. I love, as I always mention with a lot of these tracks that have similar vibes and sounds, I love the traditional Japanese instrumentation and just the, the feeling that it brings when listening to it. This is, a, this is a great track, in my opinion. Yeah, I really enjoy this. I always like it when we can break out some of those Eastern-style instruments and, uh, and really hear some nice calming fantasy vibes I'm, I'm definitely even though i'm not going to be on the episode you've got a spotlight coming up the where you're, i know you're going to be focusing on a lot of music that's like this and i'm excited for that episode yes that is true i think that's pegged sometime in the beginning of november yeah <laughs> but yeah speaking coming back to okami then um i've actually only barely played the original okami as well uh but i i do really love the soundtrack and i knew next to nothing about okami den except that the the wolf in this one is uh, chibi terasu uh -huh. <laughs> as opposed yeah. to amiterasu but other than that yeah i knew nothing about it so it plays really glad you brought this one similar and it's it's surprising that i never did play it because it plays pretty similar to the zelda series um which itself was a you know obviously a major influence to the original Okami, but mm -hmm. that game didn't play so much like a Zelda. It had some similarities, but Okami Den was more almost a Zelda clone in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm surprised I never played it, but I probably never will either at this point. Maybe I'll watch a like a long play eventually. Yeah, maybe fun. Yeah, maybe. I do tend to do that for games that I just have no desire to play or go back and play or whatever. I'll tend yeah. to still do that. So, really great track though, and a nice simple way to open up my block as we moved into the middle track which was in the gloomy darkness from final fantasy crystal chronicles again composed by kumi tanioka this track i think maybe yeah definitely maybe of all maybe maybe the pokemon track as well but this track had the feel that i initially had in my head when i sat down to pick my tracks for this episode gotcha yeah yeah, and I think, I don't remember if it was in our intro or if it was before we, we started talking, but only one of my tracks, I think, is, has this gloomy vibe to it. So I was glad that you, you've got a few here that have a little bit more darkness to them. There is at least a hint of darkness in all three of your tracks in this block, but this one, you know, in the gloomy darkness, definitely, um, so far, has been the gloomy track of the episode. And did you get a chance to play Crystal Chronicles? I think... Did they drop a demo of this on the Switch before they, they re-released it on the Switch? Yes, they did. Okay, then that's what I played. I uh, didn't think that I had downloaded the whole thing, but I played through the first part of the game on the demo. Did it have the multiplayer aspects in the demo? If it did, we didn't use them because I was the only one who played. <laughs> okay, okay. But, 
I remember when I played through this on the GameCube, I love Crystal Chronicles and I really adore its soundtrack as well. I, I do think it's something very unique in the Final Fantasy setting. Um, when this game came out on the GameCube, my girlfriend and I at the time, we, we played the hell out of this game, man. Like, um, you could play other characters with the GBA linked up to your GameCube. You know, that stupid contraption that they <laughs> say, oh, this will, this will make people buy a GBA to play multiplayer games because you can't use another controller. You know, that, that dumb yeah. thing. Um, yep, I remember. We played a lot of this and it had a very unique, you know, uh, mechanic that's the word I was trying to think of where you had to carry around the crystal to keep yourself basically safe and not die so you had to work together because only one of you could carry the crystal while the other was fighting monsters or doing things and it was I don't know if it was four player I know there's four characters it might be four players in all honesty but we only ever played two yeah that's cool though um yeah I, I don't know a whole lot about the uh most of the Final Fantasy spinoff games, including this one, but, um, but yeah, what I've heard of the music though has always been really good. Yeah, no, it's definitely a really great soundtrack. I, I highly encourage anyone that I'm sure most of you have, have heard the Crystal Chronicles and the sequel and some of the spinoff music, but if you haven't, go listen to it. It's really freaking good. And speaking of good, I could go for some McDonald's right now. That actually sounds good. Oh, you know, it really does. I could go for a large fry and uh, maybe some spicy nuggets. Yeah, the, the, the I usually, usually will rotate between either nuggets or just like classic burgers. Because sometimes that's just, yeah. that just, that's what you want. You don't, you don't want the chicky nuggies. Yep. Sometimes you just want a good old quarter pounder. Sometimes, sometimes. And sometimes you want a treasure land. Adventure. Sometimes that, you do. That didn't make sense. Sometimes you do when you want that that funky Genesis bass. Oh, dude, <laughs> such a cool track, and I like the instrumentation that was used here in the track we're talking about, called "Cave." Again, composed by Katsuhiko Suzuki. Um, I like the instrumentation that was used because even though it's not like a super spooky track, it sounds like it is, and I think a lot of that also has to do with the Genesis sound chip itself. Yeah, it definitely lends itself to that. And yeah, there's a, there's an edge of danger in this that, uh, um, just just a really cool track. A lot, a lot of I was surprised by this one. Yeah, and we had brought another track. I think Frank picked another piece from this game well back in the day. Um, it's a game that I never actually played. I did rent a lot of these stupid bullcrap games back on the Genesis during that time period. Like I remember renting that awful Barney game for some reason. I don't know why I rented it, but I did. <laughs> and it sucked. Um, oh, man. But this is one that I never... And I don't even know if the video store actually carried this one. Because wasn't this some, like, I imagine... It was definitely a partnership with McDonald's. Was this sold at McDonald's? Or could you get this in a regular store? I don't remember. I do not remember. I, I know I, I remember playing the, I think it was McKids on the NES. Yeah, McKids I did play. I don't think I ever played this one. I think there was also a McDonald Land game on something or other. But what I do remember is that all the games uh, that uh, were released under the McDonald's license had much better music than they had any right to have. Yeah, and that definitely probably was the... Uh 
shining star, I think, of these games. Um, though I think looking at the reception, I remember them being okay. Yeah, uh, this... was pretty fun, actually. McKids was good. This one, again, I never played it. I thought it was worse than it was. But looking at the reception, maybe not so much. Cool. Maybe I'll have to uh, check it out, see if I can't maybe track down some version of it to play some way. Wonder what it would take for Sega to be able to add this to the Genesis Mini 2 or 3 or whatever if they keep it going. <laughs> Wonder how much they'd have to pay McDonald's to, to put that on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if, if that's worth dishing out for, but uh, definitely uh, sounds like it could be a, a hidden gem of a treasure land. Yeah, could be. Could be. I like what you did there. And I, and I purposely set this block up to end with the McDonald's track to lead into your first of the next block. That does provide me with a good segue because we're going from one uh, a relatively obscure licensed game to another one that uh, yeah, you said this track was actually on your radar as well. I like this track. Before we, yeah, <laughs> before we came into the episode. I like the title. It's fun to say. But yeah, the track is also fun. And coming into my second block, we are going to be listening to Caverns of Bazoik from Chex's Quest, released in 1996 and composed by Andrew Benson. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests. 
that you might be familiar with. Download the media files wherever you download podcasts. And remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Coming up next, we're going to listen to Underground Theme from Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, released October 4th, 1995, composed by Koji Kondo. Closing out my second block, we are listening to Main Title from The Cave, released January 22nd, 2013, and composed by Brian Min. back from my first or second <laughs> block of tracks we're listening to caverns of bazoic from checks quest fun little track man love that yeah xylophone. like i said this is one that i initially had on my list as well and then i saw you had submitted it um i love this track i think it's really really fun um checks quest another game that i've not played though i do know when i was looking this up um it is on steam and it's free 
<laughs> you know, maybe I should check it out then. I have not played it either. Um, but man, uh, so this is a, uh, <laughs> so it was released in 96, um, developed by Digital Cafe and published by General Mills. <laughs> right. Wasn't this like in the cereal boxes? I think so. Yeah. It was like a demo disc that was yeah. in the boxes and it is a, it is a total, it's a ROM hack before ROM hacks were a thing of um ultimate doom yeah it's basically a doom clone <laughs> yeah it is a a 100 a doom clone it was built on the ultimate doom engine and and released as a yeah a serial promotion and was apparently well enough received that it got two sequels <laughs> and then it was released in uh, General Mills re-released it in 2019 as um, as a bundle, uh, the first and second games. It looks like it was also released on March 11th of this year for the Switch. <laughs> oh, wow, I wonder if it's free on the Switch too. <laughs> I don't know. I have to check that out. But yeah, man, um, <laughs> it is a fun little story. I know nothing about this game except you play. I think as like an anthropomorphic checks piece of checks who a uh, piece of cereal come to life goes through and uh, and fights aliens and um here i'm guessing you're on the planet of bazooic in some kind of cavern <laughs> love the name of this track like you said definitely very fun to say and i just like the actual vibe this track gives off man it's yeah, it's really it's, cool sounding yeah it's there's there's again i keep saying this this episode but there is some darkness to this track it's not just just fun it could it could be a creepy space mission for sure definitely accompanies some nice first person shooter action where i think in this game when you killed an enemy it exploded in a shower of checks if i if i remember my trivia correctly i mean that but sounds about right if not that's my headcanon for sure <laughs> <laughs> they don't explode into like a shower of milk <laughs> oh that's, man that's yeah. my head cannon there you go i just love <laughs> that on the on the art for this video you just it's this anthropomorphic checks man with arms and legs and he's shooting this little zapper thing in his left hand and he's got a spoon in his he's right hand a just a regular spoon. sized spoon <laughs> just a spoon that looks tiny <laughs> what's oh. they use the spoon for you don't want to know. <laughs> that, that's when that's when you put in the the ultra violence code. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the second game though in my second block is is a little bit less obscure. Uh, this is Yoshi's Island, or more officially Super Mario World Two Yoshi's Island, and this is the underground theme, which. Man, I've got some nostalgia for this track. Oh, I do too, man. I love track. this game. This is one that I owned pretty immediately after it came out. Um, I Well, when did it come out? It was definitely, looking at it, so October 4th, 95. So I would have got it for Christmas in 95. Uh, um, yeah. I just turned 27 years old. <laughs> it did. It definitely did. And I spent so much time playing this as a kid. Um, I have a lot of fond memories with the neighbor kids around 
my house at the time coming over to play this yeah staying up like all into the hours of the night i remember we because i had just in 95 also gotten my first game genie so messing around putting codes into this game and seeing you know just everything that you could do it was it was a lot of fun and this is a really nice late stage uematsu track he had some really great music in this game did it again Cause I did it again, man. Just like when we were talking, late stage Koji Kondo track. Wow. <laughs> Though I want to hear, I want to hear Nobu Uematsu compose a Mario track like traditionally. I really do at this point. Yeah, I think the closest we might come is that cover of Final Fantasy IV's battle theme that they used in Mario RPG for Culex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that would that would really be something, though. I mean, hey, we've got uh, we've got who? Danny Baranowski. Is it Danny Baranowski that joined Kirk Hope and Chumamura? Yeah. Well, no. That's, Gareth Coker. Um, Gareth Coker. Gareth, Gareth Coker. Yeah. Yeah. For we got Gareth Sparks Coker now on uh, Sparks of Hope and. Of course, Shimamura is an old hat at Mario games, and Kirk Hope did the last Mario and Rabbids. But uh, you know, we'll we'll never know. That would that would be really really something. I'd like to, I'd like to hear uh, Koji Kondo compose a Final Fantasy track too. Yeah, which you know, thinking back to like, and I know we talked about this on previous episodes, the similarities to Link to the Past soundtrack, and I want to say it's Final Fantasy. One of the Final Fantasies, either four I think or five or six. Maybe Final Fantasy Six. There are some similarities yeah. for sure. Yeah, because um, they came I out also, like the legit same time. I have always thought that the um, Astral Observatory from Majora's Mask sounded like Kondo was channeling Uematsu. Yeah, they um, had to have done that all the time. That that actually prompted a uh, an idea of mine that I'll have to run by you at some time, but. Um, speaking of ideas that, that have been rattling around in my head, um, one thing that's really cool about Yoshi's Island is how the map theme evolves as you go through the game and like more layers are added to the music on the map, the deeper into the game that you get. And that is an idea that I thought would be really fun to explore is themes that evolve in games where like the same theme gets added onto as you go. Another example is the Comet Observatory in Super Mario Galaxy, uh, where it, you know, it adds more layers to the music, the deeper into the game that you get. But I like uh, that idea. I'll, I'll throw it on the list. Yeah, there was a lot of pioneering stuff in this game. And of course, the mechanic of Yoshi's Flutter Jump originated here and... The way that he throws eggs carries through to even the modern Yoshi games. And uh, just just a, like you said, a lot of nostalgia. This was one of the first games I booted up on the SNES Classic when I got it. So, yeah, it's it's a great freaking game, man. Obviously, the uh, the the baby crying noise gets a little much at times, (laughs) but great game for sure. And then we move into my last track, except for the closeout which is also by my gloomy track in the game from a game I've only barely played the demo of, but that has um, has a cool aesthetic to it. We're talking about The Cave, which I believe... Would you, would you say this was an indie game? I would say this is an indie game, yeah. This came out in 2013. Composer was Brian Min. Why he spells his name like you, I don't know. Well, because he Come spells it now. the right way. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, the developer here, Double Fine. I've heard of them before. Tell me more about Double Fine. Tim Schafer, man. There we go. Yeah, we Tim Schafer, the classic LucasArts guys. 
that makes sense because that that's the that's the kind of game that the cave was, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, very similar to you know what, not necessarily like point and click, but a lot of point and click elements in the game itself. A lot of mechanics that were kind of inspired by that. Um, I remember like colorful characters and you've yeah. got kind of a mystery story going on. Well, it was a lot of the same team that worked on the Monkey Island games, too. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just the only character I really remember is the hillbilly. Okay, (laughs) but but yeah, this this is a game that kind of like kind of like you said earlier, I probably wouldn't go back and play it, but it might be worth watching a playthrough of because it sounds pretty cool. It does. And I think this is definitely, like you said, probably the uh, the spookiest track you brought to the show today. So I like that you had a little bit of representation in there of the, of the season. Yeah, this was a nice track, though. I, I love these piano driven tracks a lot, as you well know. And uh, we were talking about this kind of reminds me of uh, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. Um, especially like maybe the Moonlight Sonata reimagined for a survival horror game like Silent Hill or Resident Evil. And shout out to Silent Hill. Three new game announcements today during the Silent Hill presentation. Yeah. Silent Hill 2 remake for PS5 and maybe Xbox. I didn't quite read the full press releases yet. Um, that one's being done by Bloober Team, the guys behind... Um, the medium yes they did the medium mm-hmm. i think so okay and then we have silent hill townsend i think's the name of it done by um the guys that did observation some team with an annapurna interactive and then uh silent hill f which i think is my favorite one that they announced today set in 1960s japan by some relatively unknown studio Ooh, is the kiriyama oka tied to any of those you know i certainly hope so um I don't know if it's said. Hmm. I would assume all of them. That would make sense. It's kind of the series. It's kind of his baby. But uh, yeah, I mean, the only uh, the only announcement type things I ever watch anymore are Nintendo Directs. So I always enjoy popping on the discord and seeing you guys talk about stuff that that gets announced. Yeah. We're always generally myself, Kyle, and Sev. We're always pretty much chatting about everything. <laughs> Are there any uh, like underground or KV type music in the Silent Hill games that you remember? I mean, definitely like underground crypt areas that we were talking about earlier on in the show. Mm. Um, but none that come to mind, like just actual, I'm sure there are maybe more minor areas that I'm just not remembering in a full playthrough of each of the games. Yeah. But I definitely remember some standout like crypt areas that are technically underground. Um, gotcha. Okay. But I love the Silent Hill games, man. Like probably my favorite survival horror IP still never really gotten into the survival horror genre but i definitely have a healthy respect for it and i watched watched some friends of mine played them before um so it definitely the music of course is definitely very good and i've always enjoyed what i've heard especially of silent hill yeah absolutely absolutely oh but going back to that track though the cave i like it a lot I listened to it a couple times while we were talking there, just on repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very... Yeah, it's a relatively short one. It is short. It's like a minute and 20 seconds. But it definitely... I mean, it's got some really, really cool vibes. And it's very peaceful. And it's 1230 at night. And I like that right now. <laughs> well, yep. 
speaking of how late it's getting, you ready to uh, go ahead and move on to your last block? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the final block that we'll play on the episode today, and then we'll come back, chat about them, and move into Bedroth's closeout. Let's go ahead and kick this block off with a track that definitely I had in my head that I was going to bring to this episode because I really, Mm -hmm. really enjoy this one. So we're going to take a listen to Cavern from Metal Gear Solid. This released on October 21st, 1998, and it was composed by Kazuki Morioka, Hiroyuki Togo, Takanari Ishiyama, Lee Jun Myung, and Maki Kirioka. Next up, let's take a listen to Cave, The Legend of Zelda Zone from Sonic Lost World. This released on October 29th, 2013, and it was composed by Tomoya Atani and Takahito Iguchi. Thank you. 
Last up, before we get ready to close things out, let's take a listen to Seaward Cave from Pokemon Sun and Moon. This released on November 18th, 2016, and it was composed by Monaco Adachi. Coming back in, we are talking about Cavern from Metal Gear Solid, composed by a lot of people that I'm not going to repeat again, because a lot, five (laughs) different composers, and I don't want to butcher any names anymore. Um, Again, like I said, this is one that I knew I was going to bring when I started putting my list together, as long as you also didn't submit it. I I didn't think you would. Um, This is another track that I, I think in a way, my entire last block had some some pretty good Halloween vibes going with it. The middle track, I guess, was a little debatable, but opening up with this one here, um, it, it definitely has a very unsettling approach to the way that it was handled. Yeah, for sure. Um, this one has really, it really doubles down on that sort of element of danger that I mentioned on a couple of the earlier tracks, which makes sense, you know, for the kind of game it is, and I'm sure for the atmosphere that you're in here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, the Metal Gear games have always had... We've played a lot of music from this series on the podcast in the past. They always have really great soundtracks. Um, Metal Gear Solid 1 still is a really 
really standout game to me, uh, both it and the sequel, Metal Gear Solid 2. Probably still some of my favorite games in the franchise, if not favorite games. And the remake of this particular game, Twin Snakes on the GameCube, was really well done as well. Um, I have a lot of fond memories with with this particular game on the PS1, though. Yep, I've never played any of the uh, any of the Metal Gear games, but um, you know, I have a lot of respect for the impact that they had on on the scene for sure. And you said you were most familiar with this track from Smash Bros. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the tracks added along with Snake for Smash Bros. Brawl, and that's that's the first place that I heard this track. But I definitely remember it. It's it's even though it's maybe the least melodic of the tracks that we're playing tonight, it has an unforgettable, undeniable feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, you know, I like the way that the Smash track was rearranged too. Like. That's what I always appreciate about those soundtracks is it takes these tracks that we're very familiar with and they do something different with them. It's freaking cool, man. Really freaking cool. And speaking of doing something different, we move <laughs> into the middle track there, which comes yeah. from Sonic Lost World. And this is the Legend of Zelda Zone, otherwise known as Cave, composed by Tomoyo Otani and Takahito Iguchi. I asked you when we sat down, if you'd ever played Sonic Lost World, so unfortunately neither one of us have. Yeah, I've only played the demo, which is the Windmill Hill area. So definitely not whatever this is, and, and you mentioned this game had some DLC. I don't know if this actually is a DLC section or area? It is, yeah. So Legend okay. of Zelda, the, the, the actual, there, I know there was a remake of the Zelda theme in the soundtrack as well, like the main Zelda theme. Um, but these are the only two tracks I know of. I don't remember what the other area was that was offered in DLC, but it was another sort of Nintendo-based property, I think. And yeah, I, I did not even know that this version of this track was in it. And of course, the original composer is Koji Kondo, because what of we course. are listening to is the Light World Dungeon theme from A Link to the Past. Which I like the that Zelda they game. took. Yeah, I took that they. I, I like that they took <laughs> a dungeon theme from Zelda and kind of turned it into what I assume is a cave area or cave level for Sonic, because Sonic doesn't have traditional dungeons, right? That you think of when you think of Zelda, um, right? They're they're more just levels and stages that you have to get through. Lost World, I, I think, was more open, but I could be totally wrong. Um, so I imagine that a cave in the world is the closest that they have to a quote-unquote dungeon. So at least it fits in terms of the, the area that they were trying to portray. And I just really like this rendition of this track. You and I both stumbled across the, the same comment on, on the YouTube video that we were listening to that the trumpeter on this song is actually Mitsuharu Fukuyama who did a lot of the karaoke tracks in the Yakuza series. Um, a very, yeah. very cool sounding trumpet piece. Yeah, that was a cool tidbit for sure. And I love that trumpet on this soundtrack. But yeah, this is not a very complex track. And so it was cool to hear what they were able to do with this. Um, really enjoyed this one. I was glad that you found it for the episode. Yeah, me too. I like when I can bring something that we've technically played before, but in a different light, totally different series, and man, really, really cool sounding. You and I both mentioned, why couldn't they have done stuff like this in Breath of the Wild? Because that would have been cool. 
Hopefully yeah, they will in Tears of perfect the Kingdom. For, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what the music in Tears of the Kingdom is like and see if the, see if Nintendo took any of the comments to heart, which is always hit or miss with them. <laughs> I was going to say, probably not, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but cool track. And speaking of Nintendo, the last track that I had there in that block of music before we talk about your closeout track was Seaward Cave from Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon, again composed by Minako Adachi. I think this might be the spookiest track we have on the episode today. There's even like Probably elements so. of ghosts floating around in this cave. You could hear them in the track. Yeah, just definitely the spooky factor, the creepy factor. Um, we've had some gloomy tracks. We've had some darker, dangerous sounding tracks. But this is this is just eerie, man, in a way that uh, that Pokemon music we have found this month can really lend itself to. And you know what I also like about this track? Now, Sun and Moon are games that I have not played. These are ones that I didn't even pick up. I might own one of them, but did I ever play it? No. So I have no experience with these games. <laughs> Me but neither. With, with the monikers of, of sun and moon, obviously that makes you think of, of outer space and the universe. This track has a lot of sci-fi in there. Almost like a Dead Space vibe, yeah. And very much, very much. It also reminds me of some of the uh, like the ghost house or ghost planet themes from Mario Galaxy. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. so I can hear that. Yeah, but I like this one a lot. This was a really, really great way to sort of wrap up your, your tracks on the show today. And uh, really in keeping with what you said was sort of the original vibe that you had in mind when it came to this episode. Yeah, I always like to, you know, I always say October is spooky time here on BG Mania. And when with this theme, I feel like we didn't get to be as spooky as we wanted to be, but we still had some elements of it there. For sure. And then I, I ended us up on a nice, happy little little number there. <laughs> you did, yeah. You're like, hey, screw this idea. Let's just end on, on, a, on a bouncy fun note. Well, that's Bedroth. That's Bedroth. <laughs> I got to keep it light, right? <laughs> well, do you want to talk about that closeout track? Yeah, I will do that. This is another one. I kind of knew I was going to bring something from this game when we talked about this episode because two early and influential indie games that I have not played much of, but that I have definitely heard a lot of the soundtracks to. Um, first was Cave Story, my first track of the episode. And second is Spelunky, which is the game that my last track of the episode comes from. And we're listening to just the cave theme from Spelunky. And um, anyone who knows, or anyone who does not know, I guess, a Spelunker is a cave explorer. And in this game, you control a Spelunker who goes through a series of uh, caves and sort of a side-scrolling, one of the first, if not the first, side-scrolling roguelike game. Uh, while you're with procedurally generated levels, collecting treasure, uh, saving these, uh, I think they were all women, but saving people and uh, fighting enemies and dodging traps. So, um Again, really influential game. Came out in 2008, and uh, kind of like Cave Story, the first version was developed by one person, Derek Yu, except for the music, which actually was originally composed by a composer going by Buzinkai and a composer named Jonathan Perry. Although the version that we're playing, I think, comes from one of the remasters, which was done by Eric Serka. 
Correct. So, yep. but yeah, that is that is my final track, and it's you know not like super light, bouncy like some of my earlier stuff in this episode was, but it's uh, it's a uh, it's a little a little more maybe a little more hopeful sounding. It's got a more of a Disney Capcom creepy vibe to it. <laughs> it definitely does. It definitely does. Spelunky is a game that I did play a bit of. I never did finish it. I, these games are, you know, relatively challenging the further in you get. Um, mm-hmm. I never did get a chance to finish this. And I know there's a Spelunky 2, correct? I know there's a sequel to this. There is um, a Spelunky 2. Yeah, Kyle's a big fan Which of the series. Kyle talks a lot about these games. And Kyle can correct us, I guess, on this one. I think Spelunky 2 was a little bit more in-depth. The first one was designed to almost be more of like an arcade-style experience. And I think the second one had slightly longer levels and maybe a more in-depth story, but I could be wrong. could have been more of the same. But yeah, just a just a cool little soundtrack. I've played a little bit of it on very good music and I've I've played around with this game. I've got it downloaded somewhere and I can I'll have to maybe go check it out and dig into it sometime. Some of those games I don't really feel like I would have to beat, but just, you know, play a little bit of it and explore it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely a, a nice cap to this episode. I mean, you know, Spelunky, you are, like you mentioned, just going further and further down in the cave. So we, we went further and further down in the playlist and we found Spelunky. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> and it has been, uh, even though both of us are a little bit lower energy tonight than we usually are for various reasons, it has still been fun spelunking with you on this episode, as always. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun. Hopefully we can find our way back to the top. I hope we're not stuck down here at the bottom. That, again, big fear of mine going into yeah, these Yeah, we're going to have to get back up on the surface if we're going to get reception for that Radio Hour episode coming up next week. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we get on out of here, do you have anything you want to mention or plug at this time? I do not. It's been pretty quiet for me. Shoot Kapow and I have not gotten around to recording the next episode of Very Good Music, and Dyad and I have not gotten around to composing to recording stuff, talking about the next (laughs) movie bar episode. I've just been working and listening to music and watching Game of Thrones. That's about it. Nice. Well, I guess that'll... uh about wrap us up then that'll bring us to the close of the show right i think we're done i do think we're done all right well like i said that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show for this week we do want to thank you for staying with us and listening to another episode of bg mania made possible of course by rpgera.com if you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help us grow this show check the description box for ways you can do just that including a link to join our discord community click it and join it and interact with us bedroth the closeout is yours all right taking us out of this episode we are listening to cave from spelunky released december 21st 2008 and composed by eirik surke keep the music playing and keep it loud